Time to cross it over. It is Hawkeyes. It is Badgers. It is the Big Ten West Championship game. Uh, not a whole lot there. Trent and Ryan with you today. Locked on Hawkeyes and Locked on Badgers. Welcome in here today. Thanks for joining us. This is a crossover edition on Locked On. I was getting ready to hit the liner, but that's for Locked On Hawkeyes. I don't want to do that. So it's just you and me right here going in and getting ready for this one. Iowa, Wisconsin, 3 o'clock on Saturday. It is Big Fox that will have it. Today's episode of Locked On Hawkeyes and Locked On Badgers is brought to you by Jace Medical. Jace Medical, a presenting sponsor for the podcast. Empower yourself when you purchase purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 or more infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. Right, let's get into it and start with a little bit of overview. I'll throw it to you first. You're number one of Luke Fickle. One loss on the season. You're playing in a terrible division. Uh, where you guys are and going through, obviously, a very big transition with year number one. Yeah, not quite where I think fans or I expected. I thought we. I think a lot of us thought it'd be a little cleaner. Uh, at the end of the day, though, it's an offense averaging 31 points per game. It's still going through teething processes, right? Like, I think I think there is nationally a notion that Wisconsin should be a little further along. But when you zoom out, year one for a coaching rebuild, brand new staff, new schemes on both sides, a bunch of new players, new transfers, and you're four and one, and you're averaging 31 points a game, right? I mean, we weren't – that's what, – what would an Iowa fan do for 31 points a game? I'm assuming annex half your, your state, right? Like, so I, I think it's fine. This is actually the record I predicted we would have at this point. I had I thought we would lose to Washington State, so – I kind of feel like we're right on track. It's just a little slower than we anticipated the train moving. I can see that. And I have watched every Wisconsin game, uh, except for one on the BTN in 60. So I've got a view. And it's funny because if you just look at the box scores, you just kind of look at the end game score. You do that, and you know, boy, they must be flying high. But watching each of those games, I wasn't wowed by Wisconsin. It wasn't where, boy, this team is off and running. They're going to run away with the division. I don't think the box score and the final scores have kind of really painted the full picture of this season. Is that fair? Probably to some, probably to some degree it is. Although you look at some of the games, the, the first big 10 game they played on the road, going to Purdue, a, t- a Purdue team that needed that game. They really controlled that entire game. Um, they're playing a Rutgers team that it looks much better under Shiano. And yeah. again, <clears throat> Rutgers never threatened in that game. So they they've done a bit of a mini Michigan thing. Like make no mistake. They are not nowhere close to Michigan. But they've won some games where maybe the score, the, the box score doesn't look as impressive, um, but they've controlled a lot of the game script. There's, there's really been very few teams where Wisconsin down the stretch has really been stressed by, by the opponent. Uh, obviously, Washington State on the road. Washington State's a good team with a real quarterback. Um, and that was a game that Wisconsin was right in. They had a late, you know, late turnover. They could have won that game, could have, would have, should have. I don't think they deserved to win that game. But – I think they've controlled the game scripts for the most part. And even though, it, again, this is where I went back and said, it's not as pretty as I think a lot of people expected it to be. Uh, but I think a lot of people overlook the amount of turnover and transition and just there's growing pains with a whole new staff. Uh, again, that being said, though, you look back to where we were last year uh, under Paul Chris, where there should have been no growing pains. Illinois was murdering us. You know, like you saw that version of Wisconsin up close and personal. We are so far ahead of that version of Wisconsin. That was a broken team. This feels like a team still coalescing that still has trajectory to grow this year. Um, so there's still optimism on the Wisconsin side. There's there's a couple of pass plays, deep pass plays we've had that we just haven't been able to connect on. 
I think we're right there, uh, really where we should be realistically and not where we should have been from the fans probably heightened expectations, right? You bring Luke Fickle in and you feel like you're, you're on cloud nine. It's going to click right away because of, of his history and his pedigree. I think this is more realistically where we should have thought we would be this year, kind of five games in. And honestly, from my perspective, I, this is kind of where I thought you were going to be. You know, we uh, talked a little bit in our back and forth on, on Slack and stuff for Locked On. And I, I know how optimistic you were coming into the season. I thought the transition was going to take a little bit longer. I'll let you throw it back my way. I also thought things would be a little bit further along here from an Iowa perspective. Injuries have obviously derailed this season and our idiot offensive coordinator. Let, let me ask you, I, I have a couple of questions I'm fascinated with here. The, the first is, I just want to zoom out a little bit. Why did you think it'd be better? Like, and, and that's not a you question. It's more of an Iowa fan, because I got this vibe <laughs> from Iowa fans too, bringing in, you know, McNamara and it, it's going to be different. I, I thought McNamara was fine at Michigan. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like that's was the solution at Iowa. I think it's the ecosystem. It's obviously the OC. Why did everybody think it'd be better after years of seeing this offense? Well, if you watch Spencer Petras the last three years, I mean, that's a reason for it. He was just terrible. And you look at the numbers and how they regressed after the the crazy 2020 season. He was bad in 2021 and even worse in 2022. He had mentally just completely broken simple out routes, you know, five round, five yard out routes. He couldn't complete them. He was sailing them. He just he was so mentally broken that you figure with a confident quarterback, a quarterback that his greatest streak that Cade McNamara is his accuracy was going to get this thing moving along. Now McNamara suffers the injury in August camp, never was healthy all season long before eventually tearing his ACL. So there was no shot. The other part of it, and the reason for optimism, is the offensive line was so bad the last two years. It was as bad as it's been ever in the Kirk Ferentz era, going all the way back when you know he was out there playing Bruce Nelson and Robert Gallery at 250 pounds as freshmen his first couple of years just because they were so depleted here. Those offensive lines were better than what we saw the last couple of seasons. They brought in two transfers. That was a hope that that was going to help out. One still has not been able to get on the field because of injury. So you have that part of it. And those younger guys that were taking those lumps, becoming upperclassmen, Connor Colby, uh, Mason Richmond, you thought, all right, they're going to take the big leap this year. And it just hasn't happened. The offensive line has been pretty good. Pass blocking, actually. Run blocking has gotten better the last couple of weeks, but still not at the level. So that was where the optimism came from. Offensive line is at least going to be adequate, uh, accurate quarterback, something that Iowa hasn't had in three seasons. You put those two things together, you bring in a couple of wide receivers, the run game will be fine, really talented running backs, and they're going to be good. That's where the optimism came from, but uh, I guess we forgot who's still running the ship there on the offense of Brian Ferentz. Yeah, the, the other question I had for you, and this is something I was thinking about in the offseason, what, what was the vibe for Iowa fans? See, Because Iowa – Continuity, right? Wisconsin and Iowa for the longest time. It was continuity, continuity, continuity. We are who we are. What was the vibe for Iowa fans in general sticking with Brian Ferentz and then seeing Wisconsin, whether whether it works long-term or not, right, mm-hmm. for Wisconsin, but seeing Wisconsin drastically say, no, this isn't working. We're tearing it down. Forget tradition in a certain sense. We're going to modernize. What was the thought? Because I've always thought for the longest time, Iowa and Wisconsin are kind of co-patriots, right? We're very You're similar. Right. And then to see Wisconsin just so quickly flip it, I'm curious what the perspective on that change for Iowa was. I think there's some frustration from some of the fan base, certainly, to see that. And there are very few people that want to see Kirk Ferentz be pushed out of the door. I mean, what he has done with this program, the kind of person that he is, the successes that he has had, people don't want to do that. And for us older people out there, we also remember the transition going from Dr. Tom Davis on the basketball program pushing him out the door. A successful coach, didn't get to the heights he wanted to see, 
wanted to get to that next level. So you don't renew his contract. He has a lame duck year. You bring in Steve Alford thinking that's going to lead to these heights that you hadn't been in a long time. And he took a step down and then it cratered under Todd Licklider afterwards. And it still hasn't come back. Now, Fran McCaffrey's put together a very successful program, yet fans don't show up. There's not the interest that there was once for Iowa basketball. And there's a concern that the same thing would happen to football. If you push out a successful coach, you can become like Iowa basketball became. You can be going through the 20-year wandering through the wilderness like Nebraska football is at this point. So there's a part of the fan base that is that way. And then there's the other side that just said, blow the whole thing up. Who cares? And another part of that is though Iowa has wins and you stack them up the last three, the last five, the last 10 years. Now, this is a team in the nation that is top 10, top 12 in the country in terms of victories, but just isn't fun. I mean, it is a grind and you get out there and you beat Purdue 20 to 14 last week. And, and there's still angst about it because the enjoyment of what you're hoping for with football, it just isn't there. It's just not a fun experience anymore. So the back and forth continues and the fan base fights. And well, I'm sure you're used to that from a year ago, right? Yeah. It's gotta be exhausting, right? It is. I, I imagine you have one faction who's just frustrated because it, it does feel like there's a bit of a ceiling. As, until at least Brian, until uh, Kirk Friends is able to adjust this a little bit. And then on the other side, you have a group of fans who understand that it is difficult to win eight, nine games a year, right? And yeah. that's not something that you should just uh, forget about. That Wisconsin had the same type of internal battles, the, the fan base, right? And then, you know, if it, what I learned, not even learned, like this is obvious, but you make a right hire and everybody gets on board. Yeah. Like no, nobody cares. Right. No, I shouldn't say nobody, but nobody cares if you make the right hire because you elevate the ceiling. And in, in, in the age of NIL and the age of athletes that we live in now, um, whether people like it or not, excitement around the program is paramount. Like you have to have excitement to build NIL. You have to have excitement to land recruits. And it was just getting progressively harder with the, the type of staff that we had, which is, I think, similar in a lot of ways to the type of staff you have to do that. So yeah, I hear it, man. I, I'm glad that we have moved off that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I all due respect to Paul Christ, who did great things at Wisconsin. But I think your fan base would be, if you'd made the right hire, would be totally on board. Rejuvenated and yeah. probably something that the fan base definitely needs. Well, we're going to talk about this year's matchup. We're going to get into that. Also, the future. The Big Ten West is going away after this year. What does that mean for Iowa, Wisconsin? We'll touch on the hoopsters and make our predictions presented by FanDuel. We'll do that as we continue here. Locked on Hawkeyes, locked on Badgers. It's a crossover edition here as we continue. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using the code LOCKEDON at checkout, jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. We continue on Locked On Crossover here. It is Trent Condon alongside Ryan Herrings as we get ready for Iowa-Wisconsin. 3 o'clock matchup. You can catch the hometown broadcast on each side on Sirius XM. You get to hear our guys, Dolphin, Eddie. Who's your guys' radio broadcast over there? I don't even know. 
<laughs> oh, you're a I, young guy. You young guys. I've never listened to a game on the radio in my life. Really? No. So how how old are you, Ryan? Uh, 40. Okay, you're you're a couple years younger than me. See, growing up, that was a huge thing. I'm 43, and I guess that three-year yeah. gap is a big one because we grew uh, up. Uh, now, Iowa was weird back in the day, too, because each one of the radio stations across the state, many of them had their own broadcasters. So there were four, five, six different broadcasts that you can listen to. The big one here in central Iowa, in Des Moines, was WHO, nationally known radio station. Ronald Reagan worked there back in the day. And uh, so 1040 WHO goes across the country. It's a huge clear channel signal. And Jim Zobel was a play-by-play voice. My grandpa hated him as a play-by-play broadcaster. So we listened to Rob Brooks out of WMT. Uh, that was who we listened to all the time. A little bit different these days, and you can catch the game on Sirius XM. Well, Ryan, let's get into the matchup here. And where I start with this is we've talked a lot about the offense, the change, the evolution, still a team that's going to be based out of the run with Phil Longo's doing with that offense, even though you're doing it more out of the spread. My question is defensively because Iowa, since they shifted to the three, four, they have not been able to figure this thing out. Though Iowa's got a couple of wins over the last decade plus, it has usually been a grind to be able to get there. So how does the defense look for the Badgers? How is the new system? Of course, no Jim Leonard there. And that was a sigh of relief when we saw that he didn't stay on with the Badgers. Yeah, Le- Leonard had success against Ferenc, to put it mildly. Leonard's a great defensive coordinator. Um, the, the thing that I think fans, I, Wisconsin fans struggled with this a little bit, uh, but I think nationally people saw a bit of a drop off this year with Wisconsin's defense. And they say, well, Leonard, Leonard is gone. That You know, it's, it's all tied together. And again, not to minimize anything Leonard did, Leonard had a lot more NFL talent played that than this Wisconsin defense does right now. Uh, Leonard last year, for example, had just Keanu Benton and Nick Herbig. Those are NFL guys. The year before, you know, you're talking about Leo Chanel, who's played a lot for the Chiefs, you know. So, yeah, you're going to have good defenses if you have NFL guys all over the front seven. And obviously Leonard was good as well. I, honestly, the defense has been okay. There's been some breakdowns. It, the staff has been trying to mix a little bit of what they want to do with the personnel that they have. It, it's kind of some mismatched parts fitting into different areas. I will say this. Um, they're coming off a Rutgers game where Rutgers came in wanting to run the ball. Gavin Wimsett, not a huge threat throwing the ball. And Wisconsin really shut it down. And that's going into this Iowa game. Like They're just going to put 10, 10 guys in the box. And Hunter Wohler is going to be flying around near the line of scrimmage. I think they're going to be really good. I think this team is more built to play the Iowas. right? They still have those pieces, those bigger inside linebackers, a, a bigger defensive line. Remember, their first couple of games, they start against the Buffalo team, a Georgia Southern team, a Purdue team, a Washington State team. All these teams are heavy spread, throwing the ball everywhere. That's not really where Wisconsin is fully at yet with the personnel change. Against Iowa, they're going to put 10 in the box, and they're going to say, Deacon Hill beat us. And Deacon Hill is not going to beat Wisconsin and Madison. So I think they're going to be really good in this game, actually, even though it's not the same caliber of Jim Leonard defense. A little bit different, but you mentioned Deacon Hill. You saw Deacon Hill, obviously, in his couple of years at Wisconsin. He is a guy that has a big arm. He is a big man. He's not accurate. And it is a bit of a problem. 6-21 last week against Purdue. A couple of drops, not many, not much that you can place, certainly on the blame of the receivers there. Iowa goes for the first time since the 1970s in a football game where a wide receiver does not catch a football that is the Iowa offense that we're dealing with here. You saw Deacon Hill for the Hawkeyes and the perspective and the hope that he's going to get better. Look, I, I don't want to kill the kid, but I've said from the get-go, he's just not a good quarterback. And you can see that. He just he does not have the necessary accuracy to even be a starting caliber quarterback 
at the FBS level. He was on his way to Fordham for a reason. Yeah. And now he is starting for the Hawkeyes. So what you saw from him and, and did you see anything that gave you uh, maybe uh, any hope? Because it's very difficult for me to see it. No, I mean, listen, it's not like he played at Wisconsin, so we don't have anything to, but I'll tell you, he came in and one of, and again, it's not to kill the kid, but you, you got to be in shape. Right. And it just is what it is. And he very quickly, when Phil Longo took over, Luke Fickle took over, he was like the first guy to transfer out. Like yeah. he, he very quickly realized I'm not going to get playing time here. Um, he's got a big arm that, that was all the way back to high school. We were excited about the big arm. And then he came to campus and, you know, Miles Burkett, an in-state quarterback that really didn't have any other offers, jumped him right away on the depth chart, essentially. Then that just right there, I was like, it's not going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. Like it just quarterbacks, you have a finite window. And I, I don't think he has the goods whatsoever to beat Wisconsin because he's, he can't run like <laughs> Wisconsin is going to tee up on the running game and they're going to dare Deacon Hill to beat him, And he's not accurate enough to do that. So yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I look at it like how, how is Iowa going to respond when Wisconsin does what they did to Rutgers? I know Caleb Johnson came back. Um, I know <laughs> the, the running great. game. Yeah, he looked. He was looked great. Uh, Seven point nine for for pop last game. I think it was the the, the offense line looked better, but they're not going to be able to block nine guys in the box. Mm -hmm. You know, so what what is Iowa's counter to that? It's got to be deep shots, and you know, you talk a lot in games going in. Hey, got to hit a couple of deep shots. It's not hit a couple. If Iowa realistically can win this football game, it's not hit a couple of deep shots. They're probably going to have to hit four or five deep shots, right? I mean, they're going to have to have three plays of 20 plus yards in the air and another couple 50 plus yarders. I mean, that's, that's the only way that I can see it happening. And you couple that with Brian Ferentz's inability to do anything against this defense. You go back to what the 38, 14 game where I was only points come off of two pick sixes from Josh yep. Jackson. You go back to last year. I mean, that was at the time a broken Wisconsin team. Iowa wins a game 24 to 10. And you're like, Oh, oh that, that was really good. Iowa. What do they have? 146 yards of total offense. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's it's not going to happen. We'll get into our predictions a little bit later, but that's that's kind of where we are. So yeah, it's not just Iowa hitting a couple of big plays in the pass game. I, I think they have to hit five, six, seven big plays in the pass game. And with the inability of the wide receivers to get separation outside of Eric Hall, nothing in the pass game. Now, maybe it is Caleb Johnson. Maybe Caleb Johnson's able to go. You know, I was running a lot more. It's not the traditional run scheme that you're probably used to seeing inside, outside zone, and that's all they do. A lot more counters, a lot more ISOs, a lot more hat on hat blocking, kind of some old school Wisconsin stuff that we're seeing a little bit more. And it has worked out certainly much better because the zone blocking scheme doesn't work in today's environment. After they changed the cut blocking rules five years ago, mm -hmm. Kirk Ferentz wasn't willing to move with it, but you can't cut back that outside backer. You can't cut down that defensive end. And how many times on the outside zone looks like, oh man, it's blocked out in front. And then somebody comes from behind and it's a two yard loss. It just, it's happened so much over the last five years. Iowa has worked to evolve past that. That is good to see in the running game. So yeah, <laughs> there's a scheme there. There's the game plan. But right. My question for you, we've had this conversation a lot here. The big 10 West is going away and it's mm -hmm. been a godsend for really both Iowa and Wisconsin to have this division where you're the heavy heads, right? You are the power programs in this division. That's not happening anymore. What's been the perspective from Wisconsin when the schedules came out last week and you look, oh boy, we don't get Purdue and Illinois and Northwestern every single year. Now we got UCLA, USC, Washington, Oregon on there, plus some more against Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State. What's been your guys' takeaway? Probably similar to yours. 
uh, yeah, from a, from a fan perspective, it's probably very similar. There's there's a mix of oh dear dear lord, like yeah. we're not we're not going to win a game, right? You have that segment of the fan base, and then you have the mix of thank thank dear lord, I don't have to spend my Saturdays watching Wisconsin Purdue. I get to watch mm-hmm. a USC game, a UCLA game. It's exciting. It's fun. It goes back to your original point, right? Sports are supposed to be fun. They're supposed to be exciting, and it's sometimes the build up to big games is better than the game itself you spend a whole week looking forward to wisconsin iowa when we're both good but you know ohio state usc you spend three minutes looking forward to wisconsin illinois or iowa indiana whatever the random big 10 matchups are right so it's a mix i i personally said uh where i'm at man i think it's good i i think i think it's a good thing um let's let's be honest the Big Ten West, in a way, I feel like has throttled the teams in the conference in that division because they haven't had to evolve. They haven't mm-hmm. had to get better, right? Because you you had nobody you had to race against. If you're the racing against a bunch of slow people, you're going to stay slow. Right. So, and that's what we've done. That's what mm-hmm. collectively the West has done. So, I like it. I think it's going to raise everybody's game. I think it raises the excitement, the exposure. I think that leads to better recruiting, better NIL opportunities, and it's also listen. You don't have to be perfect anymore, right? You're going to be able to lose a game or two and still get to a 12-team playoff in the Big Ten. So I'm all for it, but certainly there is that aspect of fans that are frankly terrified that um, Wisconsin and Iowa, that type of program, is never going to win the Big Ten again. Yeah, and 18 teams got to be in the top two just to get there, but that silver lining, you know, 9-3, and three, if you play a tough schedule and you get a quality yeah. win or two in there, you might be able to sneak in the back door and be an 11 seed and you know, get your shot in the college football playoff and how exciting that would be. Or, you know, even finish in the, in the five to eight range and get a home game, how incredible that would be. There's still be that so hope cool. out there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the chances of winning the big 10 are going to be few and far between for Wisconsin and Iowa. Just that is the reality to actually win this conference. It's going to be tough, but to be there, to get a, a shot against the big boy, to to be a seat at the table, I think that's going to be really si- exciting going forward. We talk ask, about the – yeah, go ahead, Ryan. On this topic before we move on really quick, Wisconsin fans, one of our – the big things we've talked about this year prior to these these bigger schools coming in, and I say bigger mostly with USC. Like, mm-hmm. UCLA, UCLA's gotten a little too much hype coming in. Like, I've seen people say, be careful of UC I, I don't know. Um, traditionally, that that's not some power program, but – my, my bigger point is Wisconsin fans have been excited moving off of Chris thinking that Fickle is going to better prepare us going forward against this tougher schedule. Is there a concern that Brian Ferentz is, or not Brian, sorry, Kirk Ferentz and coach that coaching tree. Cause obviously yeah. Brian is kind of attached there. Like, do you need to evolve now with a tougher schedule? They do, but will they? Probably not. I mean, mm-hmm. that, and that's, that's a dichotomy, the back and forth that we continue with at this point in time, they need to absolutely. But they needed two, three years ago, and here we still are doing the same kind of things. And there's a real chance. Iowa gets blown out on Saturday. Iowa loses 27-7 to again to Wisconsin. They go on. They could easily win out. I mean, the remaining schedule is an absolute joke. It's Minnesota. It's Rutgers. It's Northwestern, uh, Nebraska, and I think that's it the rest of the way. I mean, they easily could be 10-2, and 9-3 and at minimum, and Kirk will just run it back. Hey, we're successful. We won nine games. Again, this year, maybe they'll go win another Outback Bowl and see, look, it this still works, not understanding what the future is going to be. And then the other burning question, if it is become a force piece from the athletic director, whoever that turns out to be of getting ready, rid of Brian Ferentz, does Kirk just walk away? Does Kirk just say enough is enough? I, I'm not going to you know, be here while my son is fired 
and I'm going to retire. So that that's kind of lingering out there too. What kind of damage has been done to the Iowa program? I mean, th- there's a lot of big picture questions that are out there if we get to that point. Hey, one quick one for you, Ryan. Uh, basketball, we had Big Ten Media Day early in the week. Just a, a quick overview for us out there. You know, you guys kind of you took what we were the last couple of decades, what Iowa basketball was for me growing up in the 80s and 90s, and Wisconsin has taken that here as of recently. Didn't make the tournament a year ago. We're used to them pretty much year in, year out, being in the top five, though. A lot of returners for the uh, Badgers. Where's the expectations for Wisconsin this year in hoops? Probably probably back in that four to six range. I mean, if they don't make the tournament this year, guard's going to be on the hot seat like at a minimum expectation. College basketball is about, to some degree, experience. You know, experienced teams play better. They have every starter back. Um, Added a big-time transfer. I I think there's there's a clear kind of top couple teams, right, with Purdue's up there. Uh, I think Indiana's going to be really good this year, Michigan State. And I think Wisconsin slots right in that next tier of programs. So – it, I, people are excited about it. It should be better. I think they're still a little limited on star power on this team. They're a little yeah. limited in the front court uh, depth-wise. But, yeah, I think I think Badger fans are pretty excited about this year. And uh, definitely, definitely, I would say a four, five, six type Big Ten basketball finish is, is very likely. Um, if the team hits a ceiling, maybe a tick higher. But it, it's, it's an exciting time. I think we're ready for it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for Iowa, it is – Preseason number nine, Iowa's been here a ton. It's crazy. Ten of the last 11 years, Mm -hmm. Iowa has finished in the top six in the Big Ten. And you kind of look at the years, year in and year out, lose all Americans. You lose the National Player of the Year, Luca Garza, and here comes the Murray Twins, right? And we've seen them the last couple of years. McCaffrey's teams are normally not big expectations. Same thing here. I think this team is going to suck even worse defensively, which says a lot about Iowa and how bad they've been on the defensive end of the floor. But they're going to score with everybody. They're probably going to surprise some people. Is it going to be good enough to be an NCAA tournament team? I say no right now. I think they're going to be in the outside looking in, probably an NIT type of year. But I, I, you got to give credit to Fran because that guy, what he has done, I mean, he could take you, me, and three listeners out there right now, and we probably put up 70 points in a college basketball game. He just, he is such a wizard offensively and the way that he gets, frankly, not great skill position players overall. You know, you look one through five and he makes them really good offensively year in and year out. So should be a fun season. We'll, uh, maybe we'll hit up again in yeah, basketball sure. season. But before that, let's uh, get into our predictions as we will make them as we continue here. Ryan's got a little something as we continue. It's a crossover edition, Locked On, Locked On Hawkeyes, and Locked On Badgers. Today's episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks to me is the simple. Listen, I don't have a ton of time. Like Prize Picks is the simplest way for me to play daily fantasy sports. Just picking between two and six players. Uh, stats are they going to go over and under? That's it. You're not comp- you're not competing against the hordes of people out there on their computers crunching numbers all night. Um, the sharks out there, you don't have to compete with any of that with Prize Picks. It's just you against the numbers. It makes it so much simpler, so much easier. The app is incredibly easy to use. All types of sports, quick withdrawals, easy gameplays. Um, I'm a big Braves fan. The guys on Locked On Badgers know that. I'm already on Acuna. One of my Prize Picks is Acuna over 1.5 bases tonight. I think he's going to get seven. Like, I'm all about it. He's going to get two bombs. So that's what prize picks is. It's just simple. It's easy. It takes all the complexity, all the pain out of the other daily fantasy sports places. This is why we use it on Locked On Network. It's my number one go-to, and you're going to absolutely love it. Um, go to prizepicks.com slash college. Use code college for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash college. 
Use code Locked On College for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Ryan and Trent back with you one final time here. Locked On Hawkeyes, Locked On Badgers. It's a crossover edition. Well, we cut on Friday our college football live. It is an opportunity for everybody to find out everything that's going on in the world of college football with college football season here. It happens for an hour each and every Friday, and you can find it on both the feeds right here, Locked On Big Ten. We got it on all the Locked On College stations. Locked On College Football kickoff live every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You won't want to miss it. Ryan, as we wrap up here, it is time for our predictions in this game. I think uh, people, if they've been listening all the way through, certainly know kind of the way that we are leaning, but kick it off here. Uh, I put it together. I think we know where you're going. Whiskey, how big is the number currently sits Badgers favored by 10? Let me ask you this even before we do that quick. The winner of this wins the West, right? Is is there any? No doubt. We didn't really touch on that, but this is the – Barring craziness, and craziness does happen in college football at times, but there's nobody left on your schedule that really terrifies you. You'd have to lose two games if, right. if with Iowa loss. And for us, we play Ohio State, but outside of that, that would just equal out your Penn State loss. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the this is this is for the West, barring something mm-hmm. insane, and that it's that's in, unusual at this point in the season to be playing a game that's probably right that speaks to yeah. how bad the rest of the conference, the division is, not the conference, the division. Um, yeah, I listen, the over under is I've, the last I saw it on, on FanDuel is I think 35.5, which is insane. Um, you see my board back there, take the under, uh, <laughs> Wisconsin is uh, a nine and a half point favorite right now this, this is the last line that I saw unless that changed, but it's in that range. Uh, listen, I don't think Iowa has much of a shot here. I'm just going to be completely honest, barring craziness, barring, listen, maybe Cooper has, has a couple more scores, which is always possible given that dude's, that dude's skill set, but I think this is like a 24 to 6 game, 20 to 6. It's it's in that range. I don't know how they score. I just don't know how Iowa scores in this game mm-hmm. given that it, it it's an offense that's already limited and now you've brought it even more into a dangerous area with a quarterback that's not accurate. He's going on his first road game. He's inexperienced. He's going up against the Mike Tressel defense that Tressel's a pretty experienced DC even if it's not the perfect Wisconsin defense. I don't know how they score trends. I yeah. outside of a pick 6, a punt return which we know that can happen with Iowa, but I have no clue how they score. And I think if that's the case, the defense wears down. Wisconsin is going to struggle with Iowa's really good defense, as they always do. But eventually, cracks in the dam break and water gets through. I'm right there with you. And that's what I keep coming back to. An inability to make the makeables in the passing game. A run game that has really just never been able to get going against Wisconsin. I, I, in fact, I think this thing could get really, really bad. This thing could get away. Iowa can't pick up their downs. And that defense, we saw them wear down in the in the second half against Penn State. I have a feeling a similar thing is going to happen in this one. I got Wisconsin running away and winning at 30-7. to seven. So just over the number, but Wisconsin easily wins this one. It, it might be relatively close at half. I could be at, see it, you know, being 10-7, something like that. It's just the second half things get away, and Iowa – that defense on the field so long. So I am definitely laying it this week with Wisconsin and prove me wrong, Hawkeyes. I, I don't have a good feeling that that is going uh, to be the case. Hey, uh, Ryan, this is this is a yeah, lot of fun. Okay, really quick. Um, is there any chance, obviously, Deacon 6-21 last week, if he, mm-hmm. in the first half of this game, I don't think this is Francis' style, is there any chance he pivots to 
I don't even know who your third string quarterback is. It La- Labas? Is it Labas? Yeah, Labus, Joey Labas. Yeah. So Labas started the bowl game last year. They basically gave him nothing. I mean, after the opening drive, they took the ball out of his hands. They were running Sam Laporta as a Wildcat quarterback during that football game last year in Kentucky. They don't trust him. He was injured uh, throughout the offseason. He had – the rumors were uh, he had a sports hernia. It didn't get back until late August. But Kirk Ferentz's brain is broken as it pertains to quarterbacks. I mean, he has, he has mishandled quarterbacks for so long. You look at last season, just not moving off of Spencer Peters when it was obvious he wasn't the guy. Now, Alex Padilla wasn't either, the former backup. But you go back to throughout time from not putting in Ricky Stanzi and keep playing Jake Christensen as he's chucking balls into the dirt. Uh, the Ricky Stanzi, Jake Rudock, or the Jake Rudock into C.J. Beathard. There, there's been so many instances. His brain's broken. I don't know what it is. He's willing to play other guys at other positions, but quarterback is not the case here. So it'll be freaking Deacon. All game long, likely. And if not, maybe he'll put Labus in in the fourth quarter when it is 30-7 to seven and, and give him a couple series there. But not until it gets really ugly will he pull the switch. You know, he was asked, as Deacon was really struggling in the first half of the game, do you ever give thought? He looked at the person that asked the question in the press conference like they had two heads. He couldn't awesome. believe the question last week. That's where we are with Kirk Ferentz in quarterback play. Uh, so the Big Ten West is yours. We gave it to you, Ryan. Enjoy we'll it. it. And then Great, enjoy Penn State or Michigan or Ohio State in that championship game. <laughs> <laughs> we'll worry about that when we get there. Absolutely. And we'll do it again. That is Ryan Herrings. You can find him on Twitter at Ryan and Bucky. I'm Trent Condon with Lockdown Hawkeyes at Trent Condon on Twitter. X is where you can find us. Our predictions presented by FanDuel. We'll talk to you again soon. Coming up later this week, I got more, including former Hawkeye LaShawn Daniels. We'll jump in. We will talk to him about the renewed running game. And if there's hope on that, Ryan's got a lot more on the Badger side of things, locked on Badgers. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Go Hawks and Ryan. On Wisconsin. Let's get it.